You're listening to the Story Shout Podcast, hosted by Kelsey Jones. We're a weekly podcast dedicated to destigmatizing failure and laughing at our normalcy. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Story Shout. My name is Kelsey Jones, and I'm joined here today with Robin Johnson. She is someone that I met through marketing conferences. Um, we both were speakers at a lot of conferences. So, Robin, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to share uh, you know, on, on these kind of shows. And, you know, I don't often come on a show to share something that you're weak in. Usually it's like, look at me, I'm awesome. And so yeah. it's nice to have like the other side because I feel like that no matter how great somebody looks on the front, there's always like this backside that's like either insecure or worried. And it's nice to, for people to see like a, that, that, that kind of that three-dimensional piece uh, and to not feel quite so alone because sometimes I feel like I must be the only person that does this. And then I realize, oh, wait, <laughs> no, I'm not, you know, I'm not the only person. I know. And I, that's kind of why I started this because originally I was going to do a podcast where we like go in how to fix you. And then maybe we'll do a follow-up of how you're doing better. And my husband was actually like, no, that's, you need to make it funny and like lighthearted because everybody has like a, a help, like a self-help podcast. Those are so common. And so I'm glad that we're doing it this way because it kind of highlights like you, like what you said, like everybody isn't good at everything. That's a myth. So things that I might be good at, you're bad at, and vice versa. And it brought me a lot of peace when I stopped trying to fix myself. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. broken. I'm the way that I am. And to be honest, the thing that I'm going to share is actually a winning strategy a lot of the times. Like, it it does get me where I need to go sometimes. You know, it's, it's sometimes the things that we think are the weaknesses, we see the negative impacts, but we use that same strategy other places. And, um, you know, what it, it's, it's not good for my anxiety level, but mm-hmm. it, it, it does make me good at what I do because I think several steps ahead. And so um, it brought me a lot of peace when I could say, I don't need to fix because I'm not broken. But what I do need to do is be able to recognize when my thought processes are based in reality and when it's just my tires are spinning out. Yes, I love that. Well, okay, so that's a good segue. What do you suck at that you want to talk about today? So I catastrophize. Uh, and so, I mean, you know, like a lot of people go to the worst scenario. I don't go to the worst scenario. I go to the worst scenario. <laughs> like, not like that would be inconvenience, but like, I'm going to lose everything and live in a van down by the river. It's not even going to be a nice van. It's not even going to be a nice river. <laughs> like, like, you know, like one little thing will happen. And I think, 400 things that could go wrong mm-hmm. uh, and so everybody else is like it'll be fine and I'm over here like chewing my nails because I'm like well what if it's not what if it's not and uh so it it can be really detrimental because I can get so caught up in the what ifs mm-hmm. that I it takes me out of the moment and sometimes that makes me kind of build in for things that I don't really need to build in for yeah that's so true and i and I think this was a good topic for us to talk about because I've really struggled with this as well. Like I've always had anxiety. And so I think that was my way of coping with anxiety is like if I could prepare for the worst possible thing or imagine it, then when it happens, which it never usually does, but if it ever <laughs> did, I would have at least thought of it, which I don't even know that is helpful. But in my head, it's helpful if I've thought of the worst. 
Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like, you know, like I feel like once I know the worst case scenario and if I'm like, okay, if I could figure out a way to survive the worst case scenario, then whatever is, you know, whatever could happen, that's not going to be that bad. I'll be able to, to kind of solve for that problem. I think it really comes down to, I don't feel comfortable in the unknown. And so if I can get to the worst case scenario, then it makes me feel safer but then it also makes me it 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 definitely triggers anxiety and worry and it can make me feel a little bit alone because everybody else is like why are you worrying about that and i'm like you just don't understand you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but you know the the neuroses that drive me you know the things that drive me and so i you know i've i've had to learn how to like identify when am i really thinking and being strategic and when am i really just trying to avoid the um, being uncomfortable in the unknown and uh, the uncertain because I don't like uncertainty. Yes, I love that. That's so true. Like sometimes I will self-sabotage myself if I'm like scared of like a new job or, you know, shifting my career or like something else because at least not doing it, I know what to expect but to actually put myself out there, it's like so terrifying. And like you said, the fear of the unknown that sometimes I'll like mess it up or not give my whole effort. So then when it doesn't work, I'm like, oh yeah, it's because I didn't do my best. And it's such like a toxic thing. And I, I've worked really hard to try to accept that that's how my brain works. Like you said, and like, not say I'm broken, but just like, just knowing that that I do that is really helpful. And, you know, it, being able to recognize the pattern, I think in the beginning I wanted to make it so I wouldn't do it anymore, but, and I could fix it for a little bit. Like I could stop myself, but it would, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a weed that's underneath my flower bed or whatever, you know? <laughs> and so it just, you know, like I might be able to get rid of it for a season, but I, it's going to come back. And if I can't recognize what's a weed and what's a flower, then I find myself, forgetting that, you know, this is, this is an anxiety coping mechanism from something Mm -hmm. in my past. And I, you know, if I treat that as if it's real, then I don't make good decisions because I, it it does make it so that I will hold back or I might take, not take that big swing because I'm afraid of what could happen if the swing doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I feel like, you know, a lot of my especially like when it comes like around my kids, I I find that amplified because you want to be able to do everything for your kids. You want to give them the best life. And I find that that seeps into even my professional life. You know, if I don't do well here, then that's going to impact my kids here. And it can make things spiral out of control in a way that I don't think makes sense. Like my husband is very methodical and even keeled and steady. Mm -hmm. And so he's gotten used to who I am and he loves me for who I am. But I think sometimes he's like, it would be a lot easier if we just didn't play this game here. (laughs) I know. I know. And so as you're talking, I I was thinking about like, is there something that happened that like made you start doing that? Like where you didn't um, prepare for the worst and then the worst happened? Or is it, have you always kind of been that way as a way to prepare yourself? So I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. And so when you have somebody in your life, and and let me just be clear, like that person in my life, like they loved me the best way that they had. It was a disease. And um, like uh, the the pain of that is more in that that disease caused that, not in that person hurt me. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
when you live with an alcoholic as a young child, a lot of times, like if you haven't, if you're a child of an, an, an alcoholic, and you haven't read, um, there's a book that specifically talks about adult children of alcoholics. And I read it and I was like, like some pages, I was like, this is me. And then I was like, oh, this is my sister. Like, exactly. And it's, it's kind of crazy how it kind of develops these thought patterns. Um, and when you, somebody's unpredictable and it feels, even though her love wasn't conditional, it felt like it was conditional. You hmm. feel like you need to control the variables because that's the only way you can control that relationship and your position in that relationship. And so uh, I'm sure that it expands outside of that particular situation. Um, but I think that that's kind of where it's seated for me. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm the same. I, um, My parents were an alcoholics, but I had a stepdad my first stepdad in high school was very um, verbally abusive and um, he was a huge man, like probably 400 pounds. And so me at 16, like he would scream at me for the most random things. You could never expect it. It's like you said, like I, um, one time I dyed my hair and he told me that only sluts dye their hair. Like he would just insult me in a way that was like, I never could have fathomed the thing he was going to get mad at me for. And I think that's where mine started is like you, you try to prepare for like a 400 pound man to c- come in your room and start screaming at you, but there's no like logical way you can even plan for that. And so I think you're very right in the fact that it probably starts from like trauma um, or just like how we've had to deal with toxic people or, or experiences that we've had. Yeah. And, you know, especially if it's been somebody that you've had a very intimate relationship with, you know, a parent or, uh, you know, I think that's kind of one of the powers in Al-Anon and, you know, that it kind of gives you a way to identify, all right, I'm not alone in this thought pattern and I'm not Mm -hmm. alone in, um, you know, that that this was, this is not like, I wasn't born defective. Like I've, I've picked up this strategy and it worked in that particular relationship, but in most other relationships, this isn't going to be the thing that keeps me safe. It feels like it'll protect me, but it keeps me at a distance because I, I'm, when you're trying to control the relationship. You're not actually in the relationship. You're holding up this facade. That's not the real thing. Yep. You're so right. And I, that makes me think too, like, so is your sister or other family members, do they catastrophize as well? So, you know, like it, me and my sister are like in some ways the exact same person in, but in many ways we're night and day. She's right. like, everything will be okay. And, you know, like, it, you know, like where I'm very, I can be kind of rigid in the way that I think in uh, like, you know, I, I feel like I have to be perfect all the time. Um, my sister is just very different. And so you, you can come from this, you know, coming from, you know, we had some of the same circumstances, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, I think the way that you react to them can be very different. And, you know, I think that it can be frustrating for her sometimes in trying to, to, when we're working together on something, because, you know, her perspective can be so different from mine. And sometimes I have to really, it comes down to me really acknowledging out loud to people that I am close with. Like, I realize this isn't based on reality because I've noticed that sometimes when I catastrophize, there are people that take that as I don't trust them, or I don't believe that Mm. they'll be there through it all. And it can damage the relationship. And so it makes a difference for me to say, I, I have a thing that I do and it's not based on reality, but I just need to talk through the spiral because otherwise I will go through the spiral in my head and that will make it worse. 
Yes. I love the idea of talking through it. For me, like if I, like you said, if I'm working with someone on something that I'm close to, or maybe a family member, we're planning for something. If I talk through like, okay, here's my fears. I feel like just saying it out loud to another person is really helpful. And um, I think that's been a way that I've processed it is like, saying it to another person, like it's not even enough to just write it down or say it out loud to myself. But, and I'm not even looking for them to say, Oh, don't worry. That's not going to happen. It's like, I don't know. It's like in, it's like me talking about it is all I needed. It took my husband a long time to realize I didn't want him to tell me it was going to be okay. In fact, that infuriates me. Like he'll be like, it'll be okay. And I'm like, uh, but it's clearly not because I still yeah. have cancer and, you know, like, you know, like I'll be like in a big crisis and he'll be like, it'll be OK. And I'm like, but it's not because we're in a crisis. Right. Um, and it's so it's taken him and sometimes he still defaults into that. And so it, it is. And sometimes I've learned that there's certain things I need to process outside of my marriage, not like in like a like an affair kind of way. But like like I have friends that are really good at helping me walk through that. Uh, and sometimes my husband, not because he, my husband is literally the best man. I know he's the best decision I've ever made, like the best, and this isn't his strong suit, you know? So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes for me to walk through that panic with somebody else that won't, won't accidentally dismiss it and can just be with what's going on. And I think the biggest thing, and I actually, I was kind of having like a little meltdown earlier today, just because the, the the world is very melty right now, <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know? Sure. And so I was just feeling really depressed and really scared. And uh, I have a, a coach from a personal development course called Landmark that I, I, I work with on a weekly basis. And it's usually like more like high performance, like coaching around my business, like goal, like resetting the goals every week. But this week I was like, I'm not doing that because right now I just feel like hopeless and lost. And like, she really reminded me that like what, and what really works for me is to separate what's so, what's actually so from what I'm feeling. But in the moment, you those like my fear or anxiety or wishing it wasn't this way or trying to stop it from being that way is what takes over. And I found the only way that I can get out of that is for me to really look and kind of channel my husband and be like, okay, this is what's in reality. Right. This is what's really happening right now. And me worrying about something or wishing something it was not a certain way isn't going to change my reality. Right. Yeah. I love that. And I think who you talk to about it is key because I have some friends where I'll just vent to them and they're like, like I have one friend who I've known since um, ninth grade and she's really good about like not doing the toxic positivity as they call it. Like, yes. Oh, it'll all be fine. She's really good at like just being supportive and her comments might even be a little more general, but it's like the way she does it is really good versus my family. So the women on my mom's side are huge worriers. And if you want to get hyped up to where you thought it was a catastrophe, (laughs) they want to take it to like world ending, they will. And I have a good, I have a good story about that. Um, I mentioned, uh, maybe I'll tell it. So um, this was years ago, uh, one fourth of July, I had to go to Denver for a wedding and my husband didn't come. And he went with his family friends to their cabin and the cabins in like remote Kansas. Um, and so anyway, he's calling me cause he's driving from the cabin back to our home in Kansas city and the call goes dead. So normally like 
there's not good service out there. Well, um, I was staying at my cousin's house in Denver. So she's there as, you know, the call ends. I tell her, oh, the call ended. And she happened to be talking to my aunt, so her mom. So in the span of all of this, my cousin says, oh, Harry, you know, tells the story about what I just said. My aunt then says, well, what happened to him? Like maybe his car broke down and he can't get a hold of you now. And so as we're like talking through this, because I did not even imagine that. I thought the, the, there was no service. And um, through this, he I get a call and I answer it. And it says, um, this is a prepaid call from in my husband's name. And I'm like, what the hell? And I try to accept and I, like, I can't hear him. So of course, my cousin tells that to my aunt. And my aunt's like, oh my God. What if he's like going to jail and got arrested <laughs> like in the span of these 10 minutes? She somehow, my aunt somehow texts my mom and my mom is now calling me like asking if everything's okay. Like that is so ridiculous. And I, I'm someone who catastrophizes, but they took it to like this level of suddenly he's like broke down on the side of the road, maybe getting arrested and trying to call from jail in like the span of 30 minutes. It was the craziest thing, but, but they like wired me up. So then I call the family friend's mom who's still at the cabin. I'm like, I just want to make sure everything's okay. And she's like, I don't know. Harry just left. Um, I'll send Hunter who's Harry's friend after him to see if he's okay. Like if he didn't break down on the side of the road, it was just like the most ridiculous thing. And he was totally fine. It was just the service was bad because you're in remote Kansas trying to drive. Um, but that's like the perfect example that I always think of when it comes to like catastrophizing and doing it with other people. Because all the women in my family are very like strong and like, but super worriers to the point of like it being ridiculous. I think it really comes down to like, you have to filter who you say what to, especially if you know this is something that you do. Like, like I have certain friends that I don't, like, I don't share what I'm struggling with until I'm like at least halfway through it, you know, because not because they don't want to be there for me, but just because like, we're, we're like, we're not, we're going to amplify it. We're not going to solve it. You know, and so I've had to like really work on trying as much as I can to make sure that I'm keeping people in my life that are going to be, you know, are going to, are going to help support where I'm at and not try to fix me and also not try Mm -hmm. to dismiss me. And so it, 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 it has taken some time for me to say, all right, you know, these are the relationships that I go to with certain things and, you know, making sure that the, you know, as many people that I can, so as much as I can, that there's nobody in my phone book that I can go to and just complain and will let, let it amplify, but really will be like, okay, so because Amazon changed one policy, are you really going to lose all your clients? No. I mean, what would it take for that to happen? Okay. Right. Well, is that likely? You know, no. Okay. Well then, okay, let's, let's, you know, and then from there, once I get to that point, it gets easier for me to get to what's really happening. And then I, then like it opens up like where before it was just fear and hopelessness. Like, you know, after, like at today, after talking to Andrea, like I, I was able to see like, okay, these are other things that I could be doing with my time and I have the energy to go after them versus you know, kind of staying in that spiral. Yes. And I, I think there is the sweet spot between like, 
amping up and trying to fix that's ideal for a friend to be in. And since I've been looking for that and want that in my close friendships, you know, now at this stage in my life, I then have started to think about, well, am I that type of friend to other people? Because since I tend to catastrophize, if someone comes to me with a catastrophe, I'm not like my aunt and my mom where I go to this extreme level, but am I like amping them up just because that comes more naturally to me? And so I've tried to work really hard to when somebody's complaining or really worried to not go to like, oh, here's five things that'll fix it. Because if they don't ask for my help, I'm not, I don't need to help them. They just are venting. And then also like, oh my God, did you think about this? Like, I, I, I don't want to make it worse for them. So I think knowing what I need in a friend has helped me be a better friend because I'm learning like what is actually helpful and what isn't making the situation any better. And I've learned for me, like, sometimes I need to ask what somebody wants, you know, oh, like, yeah. you know, like, you know, so if somebody's telling me that, you know, they're, their daughter is, is they're worried that she's into drugs and that, that's not a real thing that I'm dealing with right now. But, you know, instead of, you know, saying, well, what, so I'm here to listen and then do you, but do you, do you want to talk about what we could do or do you just want to vent or, yeah. you know, like, and ask, you know, and before I try to make recommendations on how to fix it, asking permission, you know, because sometimes people just need a place to talk it out. And sometimes people are actually looking for help and they've called you because they already know that you have this other experience or you've done with some, dealt with something similar. And so sometimes I have to make sure that I'm asking, like, you know, what are we doing? Yeah. I'm here for you, whatever you need. So we could, we could, I can, if you just want to vent, then I'm here for you to vent. And if you want to like talk out worst case scenarios, we can do that. Or if you want to, if you want to just be able to have somebody that, that wants you, know, you want me to help you find solutions, but let's get on the internet. Let's start doing some digging. Um, but like, you know, like uh, trying to make sure that I'm understanding what people want um, and that people feel like they have the freedom to be however they want to be um, without me, have that, without them having to worry about me judging where they're at or how they're feeling or because sometimes when people come try to fix it, you're like, look, I'm not an idiot. I've already thought of that. And it can, right, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so, so making sure that, you know, you're on the same page and, you know, so I, you know, I do have some friends that are, you know, that they're really good at saying, all right, so tell me what you need today. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I, that made me think as you were talking, I read, I forget where it was, if it was a book or like a a talk, like a TED talk or something from a grief coach, like someone who helps people like help others with grief essentially. And um, they said one of the things, like if someone is grieving, you can say, thank you for sharing that with me. And I think that applies with this too. Like in certain situations, if someone's really worried about something, like saying, thank you for sharing that with me. And then going into like what you said about like, what do you want from me is really helpful. Cause I think people need to know that they're in a safe place and, and just knowing that you're acknowledging their like fears or what's going on in their life is so important. So just acknowledging that it's, they're not dismissing like what's going on or their fears, but just saying like, thank you for sharing that with me. Do you just want me to listen or do you want solutions? Cause I think the times when I've been the most frustrated, there was a time in 
where my son was sick and we couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. And, you know, you know, I was, I was just emotionally exhausted, you know, because I was trying to be there for him in between peeling his fingers off of the, the door frames as they tried to pull him in to draw more blood. And, you know, like it was, it was just emotionally exhausting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes I would call a friend to vent and they would be like, it'll be okay. And I think it's, you know, you know, I'm like, well, they, they told me they couldn't draw any more blood at this period. Otherwise, they would cause permanent damage. Like, they're drawing that much blood. So it's not okay. You right. know? Um, and I saw that even when I worked at the church. You know, somebody would die and somebody would say, well, they're in a better place. Well, that's great. But I want them here. Yeah. You know? So I, it, I think if you have somebody in your life that's in that way, I think that just trying to work extra hard to make sure you're not dismissing their thoughts as irrational. Because I often know that it's irrational. Yeah. Like, it's just that I need to talk it through so I can get myself out of that space. Yep, I agree. And I I think since we're almost at our time, like, that's a good thing to wrap it up with is, like, we don't need solutions necessarily or someone to fix what's going on. We just need someone to be there to listen. That's that's what that's what's actually going to f- fix it. I'm doing air quotes in the camera or, like, help yeah. it is, like, just listening, not really saying oh, it'll be okay just because you don't know what else to say. Like some, you don't have to say anything. You just have to say like, I'm here for you. You know, thanks for sharing that or whatever. When people share it with me, I try to remember to thank them for being so brave to share that because I think a lot of times I don't reach out because I'm afraid somebody's going to dismiss me or I'm mm. afraid that they're not going to understand why I'm so worried or they're going to think that I'm crazy because I'm going down, like, cause I'm not going down the dark path. I'm going down like the dark path. <laughs> and you know, like it's, it's hard to be vulnerable enough for, to share with somebody. Like I know that, that this is probably not going to lead that, but this is where my brain goes. Uh, yeah. and cause you don't, you know, cause it's, it's not, it, I mean, it's, not healthy behavior, you know? So, <laughs> you know, you want to have this like perfect put together uh, persona sometimes. And so I try to remember to thank them for being willing to, sh- to trust me enough to share that with me and to make sure that I'm trying not to dismiss it. And um, of course there's times that I fail at that, but uh, you know, I think that's what, cause that's what makes, makes the biggest difference for me is when people are, can, can acknowledge that that is my concern. Whether yeah. or not it's, you know, like, it, like, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to acknowledge that it is my concern. And then, you know, ask, okay, so let's, you know, let's talk through it. And for a long time, I really did think that the best thing for me to, to do was, like, to think the worst case scenario and, like, back myself out of that. Um, but now I'm realizing that it doesn't always fix the problem. What really needs to happen is I need to get more grounded in what's really happening and like looking at like, you know, like what's more likely to happen and thinking about probabilities instead of uh, trying to go to the worst case and trying to solve for that because it puts all my energy on that worst case. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like about changing where your main energy is than like changing the behavior itself. And a lot of times when I go to that worst case scenario, I'm worried about things that are outside of my control. I'm worried about what people are going to think. You know, if, if I was to lose my business, what would people think of me? And, you know, if I was, if my kids turned out this way, you know, how would I feel and uh, how much pain I would be in? And, um, you know, like it, 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 when in reality, what I need to focus on is today, what am I going to do today? And how can I best be there for the people that I love today? And 
that means not borrowing trouble more than I naturally do. Yes. I love that. And that, I think that's good to end on is like, what can I do today instead of always necessarily thinking about the future? So I think this was a great combo. I really appreciate your time. If And if anybody, you know, wants to talk to you online or, you know, see what you're up to, where can they find you? So, um, you know, I'm on Twitter, AMZ, Robin Johnson. And then, you know, if you, if you do Robin Johnson, Amazon, because I'm in the marketing space, I come up and they just, you know, connect me with my website or Facebook or whatever. You know, I'm always happy to talk things through. And doing a lot of, uh, like, personal development has helped over time. In like, sometimes my friends are like, oh, you're doing another one of those woo-woo-rah-rah things. <laughs> and they don't really get it. But it does, you know, those things really do help me kind of recenter and help me. And I think it's building up the, the coping mechanisms to be able to identify when am I really need to be worrying and when do I really need to like focus on what's actually happening and disconnect from the negative thought patterns. Yes, I agree. You cannot, you're always a work in progress. I, well, I'm definitely a work in progress. I've got like a lot of paint on the floor and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And to everybody listening, um, thank you for listening. And don't forget to like and subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Story Shout Podcast. Don't forget to review us on iTunes and connect with us on social media at Story Shout or online at storyshout.co. Until next time, stay normal.